at SAFM with Ashraf Gardner. So, Khadija Patel is now with me. So, I'm not too sure what to introduce you as, Khadija, because you've done sort of different job titles, right? <laughs> Good chatting to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Asha. What's the job title now? You're doing what? Um, so, officially, I'm a writing fellow at WISER, which is the Wits Institute for Social and Economic Research, okay. where I'm writing a book at the moment. But I'm also the executive editor of The Daily Vox, which is a project that launched earlier this year. And that's something I wanted to talk to you about as well. But now, before that, you were The Daily Maverick. Mm-hmm. And for for many people that that didn't know you, I mean that my sense established you as like, hold it, there's a very credible writer who writes great pieces, and she surely knows what she's going. Why are you not there anymore? Well, I I needed a break from uh, journalists, from sort of like the daily grind of journalism, um, and I applied for the fellowship. And one of the requirements of the fellowship is that I resign my you know my. my my job mm, um, yeah. so I resigned from the Daily Maverick at the beginning of this year it was by no means a very uh, easy decision mm. um, you know as you say um, you know I grew tremendously with that team especially under Branko Brickic my editor mm. and I still have a very good relationship with all of them there um, but at the same time I needed some space to you know pursue my own projects and you know um, I received you know very good understanding from my team there and you know um, and certainly you know the goodwill to push me to push me on as well so, so you may still get back there you never know right well by the way if anybody wants to chat to Khadija you know we take a couple of calls it's all I can really do so call in now 0891104207 0891104207 if you know about a work and a journey in, in the field of, of uh, media journalism specifically uh, and you want to ask some questions or just make some comments that's absolutely great otherwise you can tweet as well to three four well sms to three four seven zero one tweet at ashraf garda let's send okay so you talk about your old project so the studying you're doing it and, and the purpose around that is what so no so i'm actually writing a book okay you um, mentioned the book yeah. yeah so i'm writing a book about the history of mayfair um, okay it's something that we all resonate with okay yeah, got that yeah, right sure. um so that, that so that's sort of my premier project at the moment that's what's uh what i'm devoting most of my attention to um and uh, like I said, I'm based at Wiser for that. Okay. Um, and on the side, then I've got you know uh, the Daily Box, which is by no means a side project because it, you know it, it is um, you know it is something that you know I'm quite passionate. What is about. what is the Daily Box? So the Daily Box is a news website um, that I, I've launched with a colleague of mine called Azad Issa, um, and we're. Uh, we're basically trying to tell um, South African stories a little differently. It's not a breaking news website, um, and we certainly, you know, we, you can't you can't say we're another Daily, Daily Maverick or we're another Mail and Guardian. Mm. We're trying to, you know, to try to, you know, forge our own character in in. Mm. in how in how do you do that? I mean, your point is valid. I would say, thank goodness you're not breaking news because you have to be really fast to be breaking nowadays with social media, right? So you're probably better on analysis. Okay, so I already know that, for example, Daily Maverick does that superbly. Mm. How, how then do you position yourself that tells me I need to visit your site far more regularly? So wh- what we're trying to do is telling the South African story from the point of view of the person on the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we feel that you know that the voice of ordinary South Africans are often neglected in mainstream media, um, and you know I don't like these terms mainstream media mm-hmm. and ordinary mm-hmm. South Africans. They're very loaded terms, and they can be misconstrued. Um, but the point being that you know for the, pers- the person on the streets' views, their perspectives, their challenges their experience of south africa today is often neglected in um you know in the way we cover the political spectacle in in, in, in many ways you you then 
what you're trying to do resonates with what many people think that Parliament's not really the voice of the people, isn't it? What oh. I'm saying, are, are you touching on a narrative there? No, no, absolutely. I mean, besides just, you know, Parliament uh, and its issues and its challenges and its constraints and the way uh, in the way that, you know, that that it is, um, you know, the way it is sort of ruled or, you know, the constraints in which it, it exists. Um, what we are trying to do is, you know, look at how, you know, the laws that are passed in Parliament, how do they trickle down to South Africans on the street? Mm-hmm. We, we, we have all these uh, fantastic statistics of youth unemployment, for example. Um, we, know, we, we know anecdotes of, um, you know, the challenges accessing South Africa's legal system. But what is it like for people who are there every day trying to push their way through? And, um, you know, what is, you know, and mm. what we're trying to do, you know, is put human faces, you know, and human stories and human emotions mm. um, and actually human experiences to to these grand. Um, okay, so it sounds very good, which which means what? If I, if I go to the site, I, I wouldn't get much, uh, you know, uh, what, what is that decision makers being quoted? I, w- I would expect the voice of the people. That yes, is the layperson. That's what, for example, something like, say, the budget. I wouldn't need to know what Prabhupada Gordon thinks or the, or the current minister or Trevor Manuel. It's basically what the person in your, in your community would think. Yeah, no, I mean, we'd have our reporters go out and speak to um, South Africans in their neighborhood or in neighborhoods that perhaps we have identified beforehand. Um, you know, we're still very small and we're still, um, you know, we're still growing. So we're, we're very far fr- away from actually giving a true picture of a whole South Africa. Mm. But as far as possible, we try to cover as, you know, sort of um, a, a, you know, a good demographic. Or you know, a or a rather a demographic that is representative of um, you know of a greater South Africa, and we try to find out from those South Africans what they are, what their expectations of the budget vote is, or what you know what their impressions are, and how they feel this is going to um, affect their lives. Okay, challenge to Khadija Patel, who's uh, well, formerly of the Daily Maverick, and as you've heard now, the what's he, the executive editor of. Yes. Uh, the Daily Vox, also writing a book about her hometown, Mayfair, which in Johannesburg, for those who don't know, quite fascinating in terms of how that, that particular area has changed from historically white community. I think F.W. de Klerk, incidentally, either lived there at some stage of his life. Which yeah, he was quite, actually born there. Well, there you are. So I learned something as well there. Yeah. Well, how then did you... Okay, so with the Daily Vox then, the challenges you faced in, in, in setting up... It is an online site, Yes, right? it is. The challenges you faced? Um, so originally the daily box was actually, um, I mean, we didn't envision the daily box to be as it is right away. What we originally started off with was an elections project mm-hmm. where we uh, decided to tell the story of the elections from this point of view from, you know, from, um, cause uh, it was around last year, December, we got together and we realized that there is, um, you know, there's a great sense of excitement and anticipation, um, in, you know, in the upcoming election, the election that we've just had. Um, and we feel, we felt that, um, it would be, it would be crucial to also tell the story of this election from away from sort of, you know, the political mouthpieces. Mm. So what's interesting, and, and, and I think there's a lesson for all of us, sometimes you start one thing. And then it gains momentum mm-hmm. into something far bigger. So, yep. at what stage then did you make the decision to say, "Hold it, we can actually turn this thing out into a day-to-day thing"? And 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 how then? What was the next step then? 
So um, I think it was uh, around about a week before the elections that I kept getting, uh, people kept asking me, so where to now for this project? Are mm. you just going to let it go? Yeah, yeah. Um, is it just going to disappear? Um, please, you should try to do something with it. So Azad and I again uh, got together and we we decided, you know, to try uh, to take this forward in mm. some way. Um, we originally planned for sort of like a three-month experiment to see how it would go. Um, we, we were quite fortunate to receive some funding from the Open Foundation, okay. which, um, you know, which enabled us to, to take that step. If we didn't have that, it would have made that, you know, taking that That's step. That's my next question. Mm. How, how do you fund this thing? Can, can mm. it, is it commercially viable? Um, we'd like to think that in time we can make it commercially viable, but certainly at the moment it's not yet commercially viable. Mm. Um, but certainly in time we think, you know, with enough innovation and we think that, um, you know, we have a lot of plans, we have a lot of ideas that we think that we can push through, to, to, you know, to try to tell, uh, to use technology to tell, you know, South African stories differently, not just in ways that, you know, we've come to expect of online news media, to do, you know, to use um, particularly mobile technology. Um, to its full potential, um, we're hoping you know that uh, you know will e- you know eventually be able to turn this into a commercially viable project. Mm. Someone someone messaged me just now to say, "Isn't that the person who was acknowledged by Barack Obama?" <laughs> now you know I would ask you that. W- I'm never going to live that down. But 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 I talk to me. I mean, you, you're a journalist. You're a professional. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we all go into places we we like, we don't like. It's almost irrelevant, right? W- what did, what does it mean for your career when you get acknowledged by? A leader of, of of a massively influential country. Well, it didn't really uh, make much of a difference to me, except that a lot more people recognized me. Mm. Um, after that, I mean, I was still at the Daily Maverick for months after that, and my job didn't change very much. Um, um, it's not like I, you know, that, that certainly I had, uh, you know, editors from all around the world knocking at my door because Barack Obama said mm. my name. Mm. That certainly was not the case. Were, um, you, were you hoping? No, not at happen. all. Not at all. Not at all. He's, I mean, his position in the world is also very ambivalent, and we know that. Some absolutely. people, some people absolutely love and adore him and respect him, and is the one person that, that they're most impressed by. Others absolutely despise him. How you know? So, for, with that in mind, as as a journalist, someone almost says, when when, when a president compliments you, just be a bit careful about <laughs> it. Did, did you did you feel that? Um, I, I first of all was taken by surprise. So, so you didn't know? No, I didn't okay. know that it was going to happen. I was, I was quite surprised when it did happen. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, knowing uh, and quite and being quite aware of Barack Obama's, you know, as you put it, ambivalent record. Um, and frankly, I, you know, I'm very suspicious as well of these kind of gestures. Mm, mm, mm. As a journalist, um, you know, that's my job to be to be suspicious of these kind of gestures. So, um, you know, for, for me, I didn't put much store into those, you know, into that event or into those words. Um, you know, I, I, I understood what was happening, um, and but but it has not changed my life materially in any way. Okay, so you don't get a raise the next day. You don't get headhunted by anybody Unfortunately. else. Unfortunately, things things just <laughs> you don't get asked to work for the U.S. embassy, for example. No, 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 no. just just getting the point. <laughs> where where did it start for you? I mean, why why are you, why are you in this field? Um, I actually st- started off. I mean, I, wa- I always wanted to be a journalist as a child, um, mm. as, as, young, yeah, as young as twelve years old. I remember. Telling Why? Me, Anything that that sparked up? Um, I, I had an English teacher in uh, what was then Standard Four, 
uh, grade six now, who um, who was a teacher, um, but at some point during her career also left, uh, and she went to study journalism at UCT. And then when she was teaching us again, she had you know come back to teaching. So she would often tell us you know her stories um, from the field. She was mm, she was mm. incidentally a sports journalist, okay. and she would often bring you know clippings of um, of things she she'd written, and she had fascinating stories. And uh, certainly by the end of that year, everybody in my class wanted to be a journalist. Okay, wow. Um, Which again, the, the influence of a teacher. Isn't yes, it? absolutely, yeah. but. Um, but also the news is somewhat all also in my blood um my you know my family um you know very driven by the news my grandfather reads um four newspapers a day on any day um at least four newspapers um my mom often tells me that as a baby my grandfather read the newspaper to me okay wow so, so, so it certainly happened yeah and then the decision that to in a way from the teacher inspiring you to say okay i mm. want to be a journalist when you make it, what did you do next then? Um, no, so, I mean, by the time I uh, completed matric, uh, I actually had a sort of let go of this ambition of journalism. I think, you know, um, socialization and life has, you know, sometimes does that to young people where there's a point within, within their childhood where they think they can be anything they want to be, but then somehow... Um, you know, there's a fear also that creeps in that we, we really don't think that we can be everything. The world is much feels much mm, more smaller, mm. and our choices feel much more limited. So when I um, when I left matric, I actually wasn't sure what to do, and my mom encouraged me to do languages, to study languages, because she felt that you know that was my strength. Um, and I'm forever grateful to her for pushing me that way because I was actually inclining towards economics. And she, okay. And she said, it's just a three-year three course. You do the languages thing, and afterwards you can do the economics. So, I, I mean, I did <laughs> I did the languages, um, and then I was doing my postgrad in social linguistics, um, and I started blogging. And as I began blogging more... Um, I Wait, you, you made it... I was reading some of your notes. You, you blogged once, and you almost shelved it. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us about that, because yeah, I think so there's lessons here for all of us. Yeah, yeah. so um, I think it was, gosh, around 2006, 2007, somewhere there. It was December, it was the holidays, it was really, really, really quiet. You know, I'd been reading a lot about blogging, um, so I decided to open up my own blog. Um, I wrote one piece, and I thought this is how it works. It, you know, you write one thing, and then Google will send all these readers <laughs> your you. way, and suddenly <laughs> you have an audience, and that's certainly not what happened. So, you know, I, I, you know, overnight I sort of like lost enthusiasm for this blogging thing because I certainly didn't have an audience. So I had this blog. I had written one post, and um, nothing happened there. A few months later, a friend of mine, uh, told me that you know she'd started blogging, and she asked me why I, uh, why I hadn't, and you know why I don't have a blog, and I, I had to confess that actually I do have one, but um, I wrote one post and you know, nothing ever happened, um, and we actually resolved okay, so I'll contribute to her blog when I have something to write about because she had already um, sort of built up an audience very quickly, mm. and um, in a quirk of fate I never failed to marvel at. Just that afternoon I received an email. You know, from the contact form on my on my defunct blog, mm. from a journalist in Uganda saying, "Hi, I came across your blog. Why don't you blog anymore?" Wow, that's interesting. So that was sign from above enough, and yeah. you know, I started blogging with Gesto. I, um, you know, I met a fascinating group of bloggers, who you know, like me, were young, were students, um, you know, but all loved writing. And um, as I began writing more, I realized I could, you know, perhaps start getting paid for writing. Um, what a thrill, isn't it? Yeah, it was. And 
that's you know uh, we just skip a few steps. That's how where I I got okay. here now. That's well, we'll talk. Some question. Someone somebody called called Cow Duck saying. Well, being a community voice, why then were their articles, that's the Daily Vox, so biased during the Gaza conflict? Um, so we'd rather not, I, I think that what we took an editorial decision, which is explained in our editorial, uh, in, in, in a special editorial that we published, explaining um, our, you know, our rationale in our coverage of Gaza, mm. uh, where we explain specifically the way we see the conflict, and it's you know it's still there for anybody who wishes to read it. So they may not see everything, but if they go to any article and they refer back to your editorial, yes. they'll yes. understand why you say yes. what you say. Yes. Okay. They should probably read that there. Anything else? I mean, in terms of now, you, you've done. I mean, you, you've been used as a radio analyst. You, you know, we've certainly spoken to you. You've been on uh, on on E News. I've seen on Seven and Two and a whole lot of different places. Any any plans to synergize all of that as well? Perhaps in time. Um, for now, I'm really just focused on completing the book. Um, by next, I mean, my fellowship uh, ends at the end of this year, but my book won't be done yet. Um, but I will be devoting, you know, much of, especially uh, the beginning of next year to finishing my book. But in the meanwhile, I'll be back to freelancing a bit more. Um, and then from there, then, yeah, uh, you know, we'll definitely be looking at, um, you know, uh, other media options as well. And you never know what may come up. Right. Just, just, just lastly, any, anything else that, that you'd like to tell us that's really important in terms of where you finally want to go and the impact you want to make? Um, you know, I, I, what I'd prefer to do is uh, speak to any budding journalists out there and, and also the vast number of graduates, journalism graduates, media graduates, battling to find jobs. Mm, mm, um, mm. And I want to tell them not to give up and to keep at it. And I know that it is often very, very difficult. And you will often, especially when you're unemployed, is sitting with this piece of paper that says that, you know, you're qualified to do a certain job and yet you cannot find the space to do that job. You will question all your decisions. But my, my advice to you would be to keep at it, to, um, you know, to, to keep writing. Is it, is it a career that, that one can seriously get involved in and, and be sustained in terms of income? It is very difficult. I mean, um, you know, this, you know, the, the bare bones of it is that it is a very, very difficult industry, particularly in South Africa, for young people to make an entry into. But I think that, you know, with, um, with, we have got to also encourage growth within the industry. We've got to, um, and also, I, th I think that the, the current media landscape in South Africa is fundamentally flawed. It is in need of a you know, dramatic transformation. And I think that um, in time, uh, you know, that young people will be integral to driving that change mm -hmm. in South African media. So my advice to young journalists, to budding journalists, to you know, journalism students, is to never give up hope, but also to keep, you know, to be, to make, to ensure that you are still abreast of what's happening around you, that you don't need to have a, um, you know, a byline in a national paper to be a journalist. Just blog. You never know. You're in business already, as as you've actually already seen. And, and I see. I just picked up a tweet of yours two days ago that, in fact, you are looking for for people. Or yes, you pulled we them are. Yeah, yes, we are. We, so we are currently recruiting in Joburg and Durban. So if there are any, I mean, the, the, the positions uh, suit recent graduates or perhaps postgraduate students in media or journalism. Okay, great chatting to you. I'm sure we'll talk lots more about many other things, including your book about Mayfair. Looking forward to reading that.
Khadija Patel, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Ash. There you are, the executive editor of uh, the, the Daily Vox, an online site, and you can check it out. In fact, uh, but tweet me the information as well. I'd, I'd love to share it with listeners as well. So check it out, the dailyvox.com, I think it is, right? Yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah, check that out now. There's a fascinating, or .coza as well, right. 